You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 168, The AP Story. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is December 14th, 2015, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about the AP story. I know that means nothing to you right now, but it will by the end of this episode. We have a uh, few moments to kill while I load in my notes from my trusty Commodore 64 that I used to prepare all my episodes of You Don't Know Flack with, so... While uh, the notes are loading up, we have a few minutes to chat during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. I'm trying to do these over alternating weeks. I'm trying to do Sprite Castle uh, every other week and You Don't Know Flack every other week. But I am behind uh, because it is a hectic time of year. Uh, it is, uh, coming up towards the end of the year, late December. And you all know what that means. That's right. A new star Wars movie. (laughs) It's here. (laughs) So I'm very excited about that. We are getting ready to go on vacation and I am actually going to watch the new star Wars film, the force awakens in Hollywood, California. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm going to see it Thursday night. I'm not, uh, excited or slightly disappointed that I'm not going to get to watch the film with my dad. I have seen every star Wars film, except for the first one. I was so young. Uh, but other than that, I've seen every star Wars film on opening day with my dad. So this will be the first time since 1980 that the two of us did not watch uh, Star Wars film on opening day together. But I suppose if you think about passing on those uh, traditions, I will be watching it with my son. And I did take my son, even though he was really young, I took him to watch uh, Revenge of the Sith more for the uh, purpose that I would be able to tell that story <laughs> that I took him uh, to Star Wars. You know, the first movie he was old enough uh, to go to, I took him to a Star Wars film on its opening day. So I suppose those things, I don't know, that's a weird tradition. I don't know that people talk about that, you know, with fondness someday. Oh, we have family tradition. We always go see a father and son, go see Star Wars movies. But uh, I have never been accused of being normal. <laughs> so we can chalk that up. Uh, one more thing there. Also, uh, I finished my first semester. Uh, I've talked about on the podcast and I have been, I went back to school. I applied for a graduate program. It is a master's course of professional writing. I took a class called writing the short story. It turns out I really don't need that class for my degree, but, uh, it was a good, uh, primer 
to get back into the swing of things of going to college twice a week and attending a class. And um, I got an A in the class, so that's good. And I uh, got some, some validation from my professor. And I think uh, it turns out I might be a writer. <laughs> I don't know, but um, that's uh, what I'd like to do someday. I, I don't know if it'll always be on the side or if it'll be a primary uh, profession. I don't know. But I do know that I, I've always felt the need to write and, uh, you know, getting that uh, validation from someone that's a, my professor has had over 40 novels published. So, uh, she is definitely familiar with the business and what it takes to be a writer. So, uh, it, it was good. And next semester I take a class on writing novels, which I'm really looking forward to. And I have to take a, uh, a throwback, uh, mass communications that the, uh, professional writing course kind of came from, uh, its roots are in journalism, so there's a few journalism classes I have to take, which I have a associates in journalism. So it's, it should be old hat, but, uh, uh, I'll take that and, and work through it. It won't be any big deal. So, but anyway, it's a vacation coming up. Holidays are coming up. I hope everybody's done with all their Christmas shopping. I will be honest with you. 100% of everything I bought this year came from, uh, Amazon. Actually, that's not true. One thing came online from Best Buy, but everything came online. I'm done. I'm done with, uh, going and standing in lines, <laughs> going down and fighting the, the holiday stuff. That's not me anymore. You know, you can go online, click, 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 you do all that stuff. If you are, if you still have uh gifts you need to pick up, don't forget you could go to uh, throwback network and we have an Amazon affiliate link right there on the side. So if you click on that, it takes you through to Amazon and anything that you buy uh, for the holidays, it kicks a little bit back to the throwback network It goes straight to hosting costs. We've never made enough money off of that to cover a hundred percent of the hosting costs, but uh, you know, every little bit helps it. It uh, lessens the uh, hit on the pocketbook. So if you have any last minute holiday shopping to do, uh, that's a, a good way to do it. I did uh, get a couple of emails recently. I got one from Ryan Waltrip. Uh, he uh, talking about episode 167, where I talked about uh, my history with the IBM PC. Ryan says it was always an oddity to him for an IBM computer, and this is in reference to the PC Junior, to have a cartridge slot. Uh, and even more weird, it had cassette program load and save support that stayed in the BIOS for many years long after the ports were removed. Uh, so I did not know that about the uh, cassette commands. I don't know that I ever, I don't think I have ever used a uh, data set with an IBM computer. I know we used one with a TRS-80. I know they were really popular with the Commodore 64 uh, and I've seen them, you know, for other, uh, I think the Atom, I think they're pretty popular with the Atom, but I don't know that I've ever seen uh, a cassette recorder used with an IBM PC. So that's interesting. Uh, I got a email from John Schaller. John is uh, also known as Boat of Car. He is the host of the Amigos podcast. Uh, John said he liked the last episode and it's sad to think that you're running towards the end of technology to talk about. But on the other hand, his favorite, uh, you don't know, flag episodes are about non-technical things. Well, thank you, John. Um, you know, it, it's kind of split. I have a lot of people that say, 
that share your sentiment, I suppose, that, you know, any, they like any episode that I do. I mean, any topic, you know, but um, there are a lot of people that have, I wouldn't say complained, but have um, commented that the show started out being a show about old technology and old computers and video games and things like that. Uh, so I try to, you know, keep on that, on that track. I, um, don't want this podcast to get into discussions about writing and I may eventually start another show or a blog or something, uh, as an outlet to get that stuff out. So it doesn't creep into, uh, you don't know flack. I think I will always have, uh, something to talk about. It just not be, uh, may not be on a weekly basis or biweekly. I don't know. Um, but, uh, as long as you guys are downloading and listening and enjoying the show, then I will probably uh, keep on doing it. I like the pain. <laughs> uh, David Safranco sent me an email. He said, uh, the last episode was great. His first computer was a PC junior and he had all the sidecars and add-ons too. Uh, he asked if third party companies produced add-ons for that. And I don't know that. I know that the ones that we had were definitely IBM brand, but I don't know if third parties uh, made those. It would, it would seem to reason because obviously third parties make, uh, cards that go inside, you know, video cards, sound cards, thing like that. So, uh, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of impossibility or realm of possibility. Realm of impossibility is a great game and I should cover that sometime soon on Sprite Castle. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, it makes sense that there would have been, uh, he says that, uh, he remembers combing through computer shopper to try to find cheap add on cards. Yes. I remember that, uh, King's quest was his go-to game, but he also remembers playing a lot of mean streets and being impressed by the real sound technology, which inspired me to try to run the speaker wires from inside the PC junior out to my stereo to get the full benefit, but it didn't quite work out if I recall. And that's funny because, um, uh, you know, when in the early days of computers, boy, the TRS 80, um, you know, the, the original PC, I mean, basically those things had that little speaker, the internal speaker, you guys all remember that, you know, just beeped. Uh, and then there was the Apple two that had its internal speaker and it was capable of slightly, you know, better sound, but it was still, uh, pretty muffled, you know, and, and, um, it wasn't really till the Commodore 64, I think that, uh, sound, you know, uh, really took an advance and, the Commodore had those, you know, RCA out for the audio. So uh, I remember when I was really, I mean, just starting out, I took that RCA out and got a, a Y splitter to make it, uh, you know, pseudo stereo, not really stereo, but dual mono, I suppose, and ran it into the inputs on my stereo. And so, you know, I could play Commodore games and crank up the volume and have it coming through my, uh, home stereo. And then even with, uh, I mean, by the time we, we had PCs, that's what everybody did. Everybody has external speakers. And I even had, when I had my, uh, my, my best DOS machine, I had a DX four 100 and that was a great time for games. I mean, of course you had, you know, doom and all those kinds of things, but I had, um, Oh gosh, you know, uh, tie fighter is the one that really comes to mind. Not just because I have star Wars on the mind, but tie fighter, uh, doom, you know, all those, uh, different games, that had that great sound blaster sound. And I had a, a stereo system, like a giant living room stereo system, but I had it in my computer room. So I had, you know, my monitor and stuff around it. And then two giant 
tower speakers, you know, with 15 inch subwoofers and mids and tweeters in there. And, um, you know, you play those games and just crank up the sound. A lot of times I was the only one home anyway, and I would just crank it up and man, that was, uh, uh, you know, now we're all used to these little, you know, two inch speakers sitting on our desk or whatever, but, but, uh, and there's nothing preventing you from doing that other than the fact that, uh, I really don't want to tie up, you know, four foot of desk space with these <laughs> giant speakers anymore. I, I, I actually have a pair of them still in the garage right? I could drag those in, but I probably won't. But, uh, yeah, it was always, uh, uh, a thing to, uh, try to get your computer to, to sound better, you know? So, uh, good memories about all that stuff. If you have feedback about this episode or any episode of the show in general, you can always email me at robohara at robohara.com. Uh, drop me a line on Twitter at Commodore. You can hit me up at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. Or you can leave a message for me in the you don't know flack voice mailbox, which is area code 405-486-YDKF. And now let's get started with the AP story. For some episodes of You Don't Know Flack, I do massive amounts of research. I go look up things online, I get down dates, I write pages and pages of notes. And for some episodes, I write a very small amount of notes, especially if it's a story uh, that I remember personally or a story that I lived through. And this is one of those episodes where literally as I scroll down here, I think I wrote about 10 words. <laughs> so my show notes... For uh, this episode of You Don't Know Flack are really only about 10 words long, but that uh, is really all I need, especially on something where, like I said, it's a a personal story, a personal memory of mine, and that's what this episode is. This episode begins uh, with a forum post on the digital press forums. A digital press uh, was and, and kind of is uh, a, a forum where video game, mostly home console, uh, video game, uh, enthusiasts gathered online to talk about video games. It was very, very popular in the late nineties and early two thousands. It was, uh, you know, Atari age was always thought of as the largest forum for Atari people and digital press was the largest forum for every system. Uh, that's the way I saw it when I first found both of those forums. And I liked both of those forums. They had a, uh, a rivalry that I would say was at times friendly and at times not so friendly, but I always enjoyed both websites. And I was on digital press one day and someone came online and posted and said that they were looking for people to interview for a news story, for a newspaper article. And they wanted people that were into classic video games. And they had a few questions. So I volunteered. I replied to this post and said, uh, uh, yeah, sure. I'd be glad to answer any questions. Now, I'm not an expert on classic video games. I probably have smaller collections of video games than a lot of the people. You know, definitely there were some super huge mega collectors, you know, on uh, digital press, digital press had a area called the room of doom where people would show off their video game collections. And there were people with massive, huge, uh, just gigantic, impressive 
video game collections. And my collection was not anything like that. I had, you know, a, a nice collection, let's say maybe 100, 150 Atari games and probably just as many uh, NES games and then around maybe 100 Sega Genesis games and then lots of smaller collections, you know, a few Sega Saturn games, a few, uh, you know, just types of uh, uh, games for different systems. And then, of course, I had my collection of arcade machines. I had, uh, at that time, I think I only had about 15 arcade cabinets. And when I say only 15, some people are like, you can't say the word only in front of the word 15 arcade cabinets. But a few years after this story took place, I was up to 30 arcade cabinets. So uh, that's why I say at the time I only had 15. So the guy that posted originally, his name was Michael Felberbaum. uh, And he posted and said he was looking for people to interview. So I responded. Uh, We did a brief email interview. He asked me three or four questions about uh, collecting classic arcade games and, and, uh, uh, video games is what we were talking about. Not, uh, arcade cabinets. We were solely talking about Atari and and Nintendo and things like that. So I answered his questions. He emailed me back and said, Hey, it was really good. And he wanted to know if he could follow up with a phone interview. So he called me on the phone and this was in June of 2004, just to, um, kind of place this story in time. Uh, so in June of 2004, Michael called me and we did a brief phone interview. Um, I wrote down a few, you know, I wanted to have good quotes. <laughs> I wanted to have good things to say. So I wrote down a few things I wanted to say. Uh, and, um, you know, one thing I wanted to get across in the interview was that I don't only play old games at that time. Uh, I had all the new systems. I had a PlayStation 2 and an Xbox and a GameCube and, of course, a Dreamcast, uh, which wasn't terribly new. In 2004, it would have been, what, five years old? Uh, but I had all the, you know, all the new systems, and I liked the new systems. I liked the new games, but I really, uh, my heart is with the older classic systems. So, so we did this interview, and everything went off uh, pretty well, I thought. And then he contacted me again, and he said... He wanted to know if I would be interested in having uh, an AP photographer come out to the house and take a couple of pictures. AP is for the Associated Press. You probably know that. Uh, and Michael was an AP reporter, but a freelance you know, reporter. So he writes AP stories and sends them to the Associated Press and then other newspapers or news outlets, websites, whatever, go and purchase those stories or they may purchase, you know, Uh, all like an AP feed and be able to run any story that shows up on the AP. So uh, after our interview, like I said, he asked if it would be okay if a photographer came out. Now, uh, Michael told me that he lived in Atlanta and I was like, they're going to send somebody from Atlanta to take pictures. But no, they uh, have people that work for the AP all over. And so there actually was an AP photographer that lived in Oklahoma city. So, uh, got in contact with uh, this photographer. They called me, and the photographer came out. and I did look up the date of this, which was June eighteenth, two thousand four. Now, I don't do this as an adult. 
Um, but as a kid, I want you to think back, like before a friend came over, maybe to visit for the first time or to spend the night and you would, well, I won't say you, I'll say me. I would, uh, clean my room, of course, but I would decorate it. Like I would put cool things out on display or I would set up things. Maybe I would load up a popular Commodore game and have it running <laughs> when a friend would come visit, you know, uh, I don't know. It was almost like, um, oh, when they sell a house and they come in and they, they stage the house, they put all It's like I staged my room to make it look cooler <laughs> than it really was. And so before this photographer came over, I staged my room. Like I put all these shelves uh, where I didn't normally have shelves. I put all my gaming systems out on display. Uh, I even on the top of one of my shelves, I put my Nintendo Power Glove. I've never had a working power glove. I don't think the one I have actually works. I got it from a garage sale for like a dollar. Um, but I, you know, drug it out of this bin and I put it on display just so it would look cool, you know, and I had all these things, uh, laid out. And then now at my old house, uh, it was a, a normal, uh, house. It was a three, no four bedroom house. Um, and then upstairs was a bonus room. So upstairs was one single room, uh, part of the attic that they had converted into a room. And so when we moved into that house, I turned that into my game room. So when you went up the stairs, there was just one room and it was my game room. And it was so such a, a big area and the way it was shaped, what I did was I bought a projector. And so I had a, a switch box. I also later had a, a TV added up there, but I had a switch box so I could switch the video feeds either to the projector or to the television. So I switched everything over to the projector. I had the screen going and I loaded up, uh, I had all, you know, all my systems that were hooked up all went through this projector. And then I had, um, Pac-Man running in MAME, just like the demo mode, you know? And so I, I had, uh, you know, so when you walk into this room, you see all these video games on display. Uh, my computers were in the corner, you know, it looked really cool. And then, at the front of the room is a movie screen with Pac-Man, you know, in demo mode running. So I thought it was, it was pretty cool looking, you know? So this photographer shows up and, uh, wants to see my game collection. So we walk upstairs and the guy is, is, uh, uh, I said guy, I think it was a woman. Uh, she was just floored at the collection. She was like, I can't believe, you know, people still buy this stuff. And of course at this time, I mean, if you think about Atari, Nintendo, that stuff's 20 years old at the time. Now it's, you know, 30 years old. Uh, but still, even then, uh, it was, you know, considered to be retro. And so she took some pictures. She took pictures of my shelves and she took pictures of some of the things. Uh, she had me do a couple of things like she had me stand in front of the the film or the, the screen that I had so that the Pac-Man maze was projected onto me and the screen as well, which I thought was a, a interesting idea. I wouldn't have thought of that. I know she took a picture of the shelf that had all my, like some of the game console things with the power glove on top of it. <laughs> so the power glove did, uh, uh, come into play and, um, that was pretty much it. You know, she just took a few pictures around the room. And so we were sitting there talking and she said, you know what I miss the most is, um, uh, arcades. Like I miss being able to go to an arcade. I, I loved 
going there and, and after school taking quarters or whatever and, and going to the arcade and just playing a few games. And I was like, hey, I got something to show you. Now, this is in, you know, on the outskirts of Oklahoma. So I'm sure what she thought was, hey, I'm going to, you know, take you out back and kill you. <laughs> but I think my wife uh, or maybe my son went with me. Um, but, uh, so we, so we go outside and my arcade was a separate building. It was, uh, 32 feet long and, um, I'm trying to remember about 15 feet wide. Uh, so we go out and I have this shed and I open the door and, uh, turn on the lights and there are 15 classic arcade cabinets. And I didn't own... Like I said, I owned 30 later on. So, uh, but I, I remember I had, uh, you know, Qbert at the time and I had my Neo Geo and I had a lot of games that were, you know, classic, classic arcade titles. And this lady just went nuts. In fact, I remember specifically that I, I had a, uh, a 48 and one cabinet. If you, if you're not familiar with the terminology, a 48 and one uh, and now they have 60 in ones and 100 in ones and whatever. But uh, it's like MAME, except for it's actually the chips are burned onto an arcade circuit board. So you would take like a dedicated machine uh, and it's a jam board. It gets into a lot of arcade stuff. Uh, and if you listen to, you know, my arcade shows, you can find out more about that. But basically, you turn this into an arcade machine that plays a lot of different games. So I had one. Uh, and that machine would play Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Galaga, you know, a lot of the, the classic arcade games. And so we fired that machine up and, and she played a few rounds of Galaga and a few rounds of Miss Pac-Man and really thought that the arcade, uh, was a neat thing, which it was. And so she took several pictures out there as well. Now, the, the funny thing about this is the story and the interview that the guy did, that the guy wrote and that he interviewed me for wasn't about arcades at all, but obviously I guess it depends on where your, your nostalgia lies, where your personal memories lie, but a row of 15 arcade games in someone's house is a lot more impressive to take pictures of than a stack of Nintendo cartridges. Um, that doesn't mean that one's more enjoyable than the other. Uh, but you know, for the, for the visual factor. I think the arcade games were more impressive. So she took a few pictures out in the arcade and that was that, uh, she left, she thanked me, uh, and that, that was it. So the following week, uh, and I wrote down this date too, is June 25th, 2004. I was at work and I got a phone call from, uh, I think it was my uncle Joe. I think it was my, maybe my aunt and uncle called and said, I'm reading an article online about your, or I'm reading an article about your arcade. And I was like, oh, maybe the article came out. Like what website are you on? And they said, no, it's in the Chicago Tribune. <laughs> I was like, what? And they said, yes. You're, they open up the entertainment section and the front page of the entertainment section of the Chicago Tribune is a giant picture of me in front of my arcade games and this story. And the story 
the headline uh, said something about classic video games are making a comeback. Um, and if you want to find the story, just go to Google, type in classic video games. That's two words, video space games, space O'Hara. Uh, I, you can throw the word comeback in there too, but uh, classic video games O'Hara, and you will find the story. I just did this search uh, and the first two or three links were on NBCnews.com and CBSnews.com. So as I'm talking to my uncle, I'm like, you are kidding. Well, save me a copy of that newspaper. Um, right after that, people like coworkers start coming up to me and they're like, yeah, dude, um, you're on the front page of CNN. I mean, not the front page of CNN, but, uh, you know, the, the CNN's, uh, entertainment area. And it was on the front page of the, uh, technology section of Yahoo. I remember that one specifically. And I started getting emails and phone calls. Um, I, I remember a friend, friends like, co- you know, I worked, uh, and still work for the government. And so I work with people all over the country and people, you know, would go to work and get the newspaper and open it up. And they're like, wow, there's a guy I know <laughs> in the newspaper. It was in the New York uh, I don't remember if it was the New York Times. I remember it was in the New York City paper, you know, all over the country. This story got picked up. It was it was absolutely crazy. Um, you know, just people calling me all over the country and saying, wow, you're on the Internet. You're on this. And that was like all of a sudden I was an expert on arcade games, which I am not an expert on arcade games. If you have read my second book, uh, invading spaces. Uh, I, I say in the opening of that book that this is basically a story about how to maintain and fix and take care of your arcade games by a guy who learned everything the wrong way. Like I learned how not to move a game after I dropped one off a dolly. (laughs) I learned, you know, how not to do monitor repairs after I had one explode. So, I mean, I'm not really your go-to guy when it comes to arcade repair. Um, But suddenly that's what everybody thought. I got a phone call. I was, um, that weekend, I had gone out of town and purchased a, um, a, one of the Nintendo versus red tent cabinets. If you remember the, the Nintendo cabinets you sat down at, but it wasn't flat. It wasn't like a normal cocktail. It was, uh, they called it a tent. It, it sloped up on it and it had a game on each side. If you remember that, uh, mine had, um, I think excite bike on one side. I'm not sure, but I know the other side had Dr. Mario. Maybe it had super Mario brothers on one side and Dr. Mario on the other. But anyway, uh, so I, I bought this game out of town and I was moving it back. I was moving it into my arcade. A friend of mine was helping me move it and the phone was ringing. So I stopped and I answered the phone and this lady said, Hey, are you the, uh, the game guy? And I was like, am I the game guy? Like nobody ever addressed me as that before. Like nobody ever came up to me and asked me if I was the game guy. And I was like, uh, what do you like? What do you mean? You know? And she said, well, uh, I got this, this here centipede game and, uh, I was wanting to know if, if you might want to buy it. And I didn't have centipede at the time. And I said, well, I, I don't know, you know, um, where, where are you calling me from? And she said, oh, well, I'm in, uh, east side of Arkansas, which would have been like, you know, a six hour drive maybe <laughs> for me. 
and I was like, no, I really, I really don't. You know, I, I appreciate, it. I think she told me, I don't know why this number sticks in my head. I think she said she wanted $400 for it. Um, but I was like, you know, I hung up the phone and my buddy asked me who it was. And I was like, it was some lady that called out of the blue to ask me if I wanted to buy an arcade cabinet. And I had this happen, um, several times people called, people emailed me, you know, when your name appears in a news story, it's not that hard to, uh, to track that person down. It's definitely not hard to get their, their phone number, their address. And, um, you know, in, in most cases, um, I, 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 I've thought about this in retrospect, naming my domain, com may not have been the greatest idea in the world. It is definitely good if you want people to be able to find you because they go online and search for your name and guess what pops up. Um, but if you're, you know, don't want people to find you, it, it's a terrible decision. <laughs> um, but I did have my uh, domain set up by then and, and, you know, people were, able to track me down. And, uh, uh, so anyway, there, there's a kind of long story that goes with this and it's not, uh, the plaque. The plaque is kind of the, uh, uh, I don't want to say punchline, but it's kind of the end of the story. But I want to talk about the TI 99 story first. So I got contacted from a fellow, a guy called me, and don't remember his name. I'm going to say his name was Mike. And uh, Mike said uh, that he knew that, that he had read the story uh, in the newspaper, and he wanted to know if I was interested in uh, acquiring some TI-99 computers and games. Now, I growing up, I only had one friend that had a TI, and perhaps... It's possible that he only had crappy games for it. Maybe there were better games for the TI that I never saw. But the few times that we used his computer, he had some pretty awful games. And so I was like, I I, I have no emotional attachment to the TI-99 for a computer at all. And so I I was kind of hem-hawing around. And then the guy says, listen, let me tell you two things. Number one, I'm not trying to sell this to you. I'm trying to give this to you. And I said, okay. And he said, number two, you live about 10 miles from me. And I, you know, again, uh, when your name's on the newspaper, it's not hard to track you down. And this guy did live about 10 miles from me. So, uh, we made an arrangement that he would, uh, he said, I'll bring the stuff to you. It's no, you know, all you have to do is accept it. That, that's basically the deal. So I said, okay. So, uh, the following weekend, something like that, uh, this guy shows up in a four door sedan and, uh, comes up to the house and before he brings anything up, he starts telling me this story and we, and you know, he's telling me the story as we begin carrying things up. So we, we walk out to the car and there is a big box of software and cables and stuff in the front passenger seat of his car. So we carry that into my house and, 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 um, you know, we're talking and then he stops me and says, well, there's more. And so we go back out to the car and the whole back seat is full of computers and games and, uh, you know, cables and whatever, uh, and lots and lots of boxes of paper and magazines, um, printouts, all kinds of things like that. 
So we carry all that in. So then we sit down to talk and he says, well, actually there's more. <laughs> we go back outside. He pops the trunk on this big sedan and there are multiple boxes of stuff uh, there. Now in our, our kitchen or uh, yeah, our, our dining room, we have a dining room table that uh, seats without any leaves in it, seats six. Uh, and then around the holidays, we put a leaf in it, uh, you know, to expand it. And this table was covered probably two feet deep, the whole thing in TI-99 stuff, which by the way, in case I didn't say this strongly enough, I don't really care for. (laughs) And the guy tells me a story. And the guy's story was his brother's name was John. And John was a TI-99 for a fan. He was into Texas uh, Instruments. He bought a TI when they came out. Um, he bought, you know, software, he was in the users groups. I mean, he, he was a, a Texas instruments enthusiast, but what happened is, uh, when TI started going under, you know, there's a, a classic old story that people tell, uh, that there was a time where TI was offering $50 rebates if you would buy one of their computers, but local stores around here had put them on sale for $49.95. So if you would take a computer, they were actually giving you a computer and a nickel to take one. Uh, and so, you know, being that, that Texas Instruments, obviously, uh, was uh, manufactured and sold uh, well all over the country, of course, but manufactured in Texas uh, and Oklahoma just being directly north of Texas, there were a lot of places here that carried TI stuff. And so when TI began having financial troubles, uh, and this was when having Bill Cosby as your spokesman was a good thing. (laughs) When they began having problems, that stuff went on sale fast. I remember stores having programs, you know, for a dollar or $2 or whatever. And apparently this guy bought them all. (laughs) He had, hundreds of TI games in the box. I mean, some of them were still sealed and he had duplicates of them. He also had duplicate computers. He had five or six TI-99 4A computers. Uh, Mike told me that his brother would buy them when they were so cheap, you know, he would buy them and give them to family members because he was so excited about the computer that he wanted them to experience the same thing. And a lot of these family members were not interested at all uh, in uh, in having this. So he he had these you know duplicate computers, extra software, all this stuff he had amassed. Uh, and then he was diagnosed with cancer, and so he he got sick. And he began this quest of trying to find someone to leave all of this stuff to. So the first thing he did was contacted his kids and they were like, yeah, we don't want it. (laughs) Like, no offense, but but we don't want it. Uh, And he had actually been saving stuff for his kids and grandkids. I thought it was a little sad that they didn't want it, but I also understand Um, you know, that, that may not be the type of collection. And if they weren't going to use it, then, then, you know, I, I don't, I don't have ill will towards them. It just was a little sad. I thought it was a sad story. So, uh, when that didn't work out, he 
put it, uh, well, he contacted the people that used to run the TI-99 for a users group that he had been a member of. And those people had long moved on from those computers and none of those people wanted it. This is a guy looking to give away a ton of computers and computer software and nobody will take it. So Mike told me uh, that he started listing the things on eBay, but he wanted to list them one at a time so that people could use them to uh, you know, add to their collection. And he, he ran out of time. He passed away. Um, and this was was uh, probably around the time uh, or shortly before the time that Mike contacted me. So Mike said he had contacted, you know, people he'd looked online. He had found all these people. Nobody wanted this stuff. And of course it was, it was too much stuff to ship. So this was around the time that that article ran in the newspaper and he saw me and he said, I knew that you were the guy that would take this. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you've seen my upstairs room, <laughs> I got a power glove that doesn't work. <laughs> I got a lot of crap, you know? And, uh, you know, he, he said, um, uh, I don't know what you're going to do with it. I don't care what you're going to do with it, but I, I just wanted to find somebody that I knew would appreciate it. And I'm like, you know what? You, you found the guy. And, and I didn't tell him that I didn't care for uh, TI stuff, you know? Uh, and so what I did was I had a, a few friends uh, that were TI collectors that were trying to complete their collection. And so we all got together and, and we, uh, kind of did any, meeny miny mo. And I just split up the collection. I gave, gave it away to people that were, you know, collecting those games and, you know, and got rid of it. So I got rid of all the computers except for one. I got rid of, uh, I think all the games, um, I, I kept a few in the magazines. I kept all the guy's personal printouts. I mean, he had written computer programs uh, and then printed them out. I saved that stuff. And most of the TIs he had, you could tell, were um, barely used. I mean, they were in really good condition. But there was one that was uh, pretty worn. And instead of being in a box or anything, it was in uh, like a uh, a leather... I don't know, like a, a case, like an attach, uh, case, like a brief, not a briefcase, but a, a bag that you would carry it around. And it had some stickers on it, you know, that would, um, oh, like templates and shortcuts, those type of things. And, and just dawned on me that this was the guy's main computer. And so I kept that one. Uh, I didn't get rid of it. I got rid of all the, the ones uh, you know, gave them away to people and people every now and then somebody would hit me up that would say, Oh, you know, I used to have a TI 99 when I was a kid. And I would say, hold on, <laughs> and I would go get one and be like, Oh, now you got one again. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, so I, you know, and, and I didn't sell, I didn't make a dollar off any of that stuff. Uh, I didn't sell any of it. I gave it away to people. And I felt like, you know, I was kind of continuing that, that guy's mission. I, I got it into the hands of people that were collectors or that would use it. You know, I did not, I didn't sell it. Uh, but, but like I said, I, I do have some of the guys print out still, and I do have, uh, his original TI-99-4A out in the garage still. Now, let me tell you about this plaque because that's where this whole story is building to. I came home from work one day and there was a FedEx package sitting on the front porch of my house. 
hadn't ordered anything, but you know, I, I have such terrible short term memory. I, you know, when I was a, a big Netflix, uh, user, I still use Netflix, but I used to rent a lot of discs. I used to do the physical renting discs like 10 years ago. And my short term memory is so bad that I would rent, you know, a dozen movies and then I would forget what I'd rented. So when they showed up, it was like a, a surprise. I'd be like, Oh, I forgot that I'd rented that, you know? So, uh, I, you know, I would, I buy so much stuff online that it wouldn't, wouldn't be um, out of uh, the question to get a package and then forgot that I'd order something. So I, I take this package inside and open it up, and it is a giant plaque. It is um, the edges are silver, and then it has a mat on the front that is black, and it's covered in, in probably glass on top of that. And it is from the Chicago Tribune, and it is uh, a copy of the newspaper article. That I was in. Uh, and so now I have family. My dad's family, all of them live in Chicago. And I assumed that one of them had had this made for me. And it's really nice and looks pretty expensive. Um, and so inside the box, there was also a note. And I opened up the note. And it's from a company that does this. And it said, hey, we saw you were in the paper. We had this framed and everything for you. Uh, and we've sent it to you, you owe us $200 and here's a bill. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't take too kindly to having someone do something on my behalf and then sending me a bill for it. Um, if someone had said there's a company that will frame this for you, I might've actually looked into that. But you're not going to frame something and then send it to me with the presumption that I'm going to pay $200 for this. And it made me mad. It just made me really mad. And, uh, you know, my wife came home and she's like, wow, that's really nice looking. I'm like, I know. And here's the bill. It's $200. And she says, I can't believe you paid $200 for that. I said, I didn't. <laughs> Somebody made it and sent it to me with a bill. And then it said, if you don't accept this or accept our terms or something like that, within three days, you need to send it back to us. And there wasn't like, uh, you know, a postage included. <laughs> I was supposed to box this thing up and pay $10 shipping or whatever to send it back to this company. And I was like, that's BS. I, I will never do that. <laughs> and so I left it sitting on the kitchen table for like a month. I didn't know what to do with this thing. You know, I walked by it and I'm like, oh, it made me mad. Every time I saw it, I'm like, I can't believe they would do this. And so eventually what I did was I went out in the arcade and I stuck a nail in the wall and I hung the plaque up. Um, and uh, I had it for a while. And then they emailed me. And again, you know, I'm sure they found me through my website. And they said, oh, you know, we, we, we saw this. I hope the thing got to you. and We've emailed you or whatever. And I emailed them back. Uh, and I said, I did get the plaque. I did not order the plaque. Um, and what, I'm trying to think exactly how I worded it, but basically what I said was I will not pay to ship it back, but I will put it or I will leave it on the front porch where you left it and you're welcome to come get it. <laughs> and that was the end of that. They never contacted me again. Uh, they never hit me up about the plaque. And I still have the plaque. I was just cleaning the garage out a couple of weeks ago and was out there moving some stuff around. And in between two 
computers that I have on a shelf. I was like, what is that silver thing? And I pulled it out and there's the plaque. So it's not, it's not hanging up in the house anywhere or anything like that. I guess I could, I don't know. I'm kind of over like hanging stuff like that in the house, you know, like, um, I don't know. Like I got an award from work one time and, and, uh, I came home and hung it on the wall. And then when we moved, I was like, why would I hang that on the wall? (laughs) This is silly, you know? So I, I didn't, uh, I, I haven't hung it on the wall. It's sitting out in the garage. Um, but, uh, so that, that was like the last thing I got, I guess, out of that AP article. So I got some recognition. I got, got uh, a lot of contact. I had friends that I hadn't talked to in a long time that saw that article when it appeared that contacted me out of the blue and were like, wow, I, you know, I haven't, haven't heard from you in a while. And then here you are in the news. So it, it was a fun it was definitely a fun article. I'm glad I participated in it. I had no idea how big uh, that it was going to blow up like that. Uh, but I, I got uh, some TI-99 computers out of the deal. I got several offers to purchase arcade games out of the deal. And I got a nifty little plaque. That sums up the AP story. And that is the end of this episode of You Don't Know Flack. Normally... I would throw in my pre-recorded closing here, but uh, I want to take a moment to say thank you to all my listeners, all my subscribers, everybody that reads my blog, that listens to this show and my other shows, everybody that supports Throwback Network. Uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody. You know, this is all a labor of love, not just me, but every podcaster. None of us are, are making any money uh, if they are, they're not telling me, but <laughs> nobody's getting rich doing this. We're all doing this, uh, for ourselves and for you guys. So thank you for everybody that listens. Thank you, uh, for everybody that, that, uh, communicates with me, sends me emails and, and things like that. I love it. I greatly appreciate all of you guys and your time. Uh, I just, um, I feel a, a big connection, with my listeners and, uh, I really appreciate all you guys. So, uh, I'm leaving on vacation in a couple of days and I will be back after the first of the year. So this will be the last episode of you don't know flack for 2015. Thank you guys so much for everything. I hope everybody, uh, first of all, goes and sees the new star Wars movie. And second of all, I hope everybody has a, uh, really good holiday season, whatever holiday, uh, that you, uh, subscribe to (laughs) any holiday that you celebrate, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, any of those things, or, uh, you know, I'm sure there's ones that I forgot, but, uh, I hope that you have a great holiday season. I hope you spend it with uh, friends and family. I hope you make new memories, memories with your family and your kids and things that uh, you'll remember and be talking about uh, for years to come in your own memory. So uh, thanks again, and I will be talking to all of you in 2016.
I'm a talking parrot. Please talk to me. Goodbye. Have a nice day.